welcome back to the official The Last of Us podcast. I'm Christian Spicer. After our first four episodes recapping the story and making of with the talents behind The Last of Us Part 1, we wanted to take the opportunity to talk with the fans of this incredible story. So in these next three shorter episodes, which we're calling Artifacts, we'll be sitting down with storyteller superfans who are just as obsessed with the game and Joel and Ellie, the characters, all of it, as I am. Today, I'm going to be talking with actor and cosplayer Mika Burton. It's a great conversation. I'm super excited for you all to hear it. Let's get to it. Hi, I'm Mika Burton, and um, this is actually a coward's first uh, survival horror game. So this was my first foray into braving what I find absolutely terrifying for the sake of a fantastic story. And I found that at the end of it, through all of the lights on nights, it was completely worth it um, because I feel like this is one of those stories that transcends horror and really touches on humanity. And what about The Last of Us in particular did, did you find the most horrifying? I actually found humanity worse than any of the infected because I find that that's so real. I found that most of the horrific parts of The Last of Us, I mean, even in the beginning, just in the prologue, having a, a man and child be shot in cold blood just from one order, like just that's the start of the game. So you really get the vibe of like, oh, all bets are off. This is this is a lawless nation. Like, it, it's awful. That's horrific. Zombies, whatever. Like, they're terrifying. But I, I'd rather face a zombie than face, like, somebody starved and willing to do anything for food. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point and one that is common throughout the game uh, where clickers and infected are certainly problematic. But um, hunters... And the human beings you mm-hmm. experience along the way, to some extent, fireflies later. Yep, yep. <laughs> are are just as scarier or scarier than any monster you might experience. Um, what drew you, what finally got you to play the game? Was it friends giving you reviews? Was it reading about it online? Someone telling you, hey, this story is incredible, you need to play it? Or what kind of pushed you over the edge? I think what really got to me was one of my friends told me, Every stereotype you'll ever think for a horror game or a female protagonist doesn't exist here. You'll love Ellie. Play this game. So I finally I finally picked it up because people were like, this is a, a main character that you will vibe with. So And were they right? Oh, they were so right. <laughs> <laughs> there were no awkward texts like, uh, hey, I don't know about this. <laughs> you lied to me. No, there was no you lied to me. It was all like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't have Ellie in my life sooner than this. What is the leading cause of divorce in long-term marriages? <sighs> A stalemate. That's awful. You're awful. Do you even understand what that means? Nope. Doesn't matter. We talked about how people in the game are, are scary and can be problematic. Um, but I also think the game presents hope and love mm-hmm. and the other side of that coin, heartbreak and loss. Mm. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that aspect of the game of overcoming loss and how it portrays different sides to how human beings can kind of deal with those complex emotions. I feel like, as you're kind of alluding to on the other side of the coin of horrors turn humanity into even worse horrors. Horrors can bring people together, certainly. I feel like 
The Last of Us has another huge underlying theme, not even underlying, overlying theme of found family. And as an only child, I totally vibe with found family. I, My whole inner circle is just people who I call my family, but we're not blood related. And uh, the new society that Tommy's founded, marrying, you know, having these new relationships, looking after people, the fact that even that's, what was that small line of like, oh, the lights are on, the kids are watching cartoons. Like, that's that small glimmer of hope of like, yeah, they're clickers and infected and the world is falling down around us. But as long as we have each other, there can be some some silver lining, some, some shining light. Because when there's tragedy happening, you need to return to that sense of normal or you'll never find yourself again. Um, and I know that it can be particularly hard, especially in like Joel's case, he was kind of pushing back against feeling like Ellie is his child because he already lost a child. And I know you never want to replace what you've lost. But I think that once you learn to accept, like, okay, I'm looking after her, like this, a pseudo child almost, like you can begin to heal. And around this time, it's kind of the first moment where we see Ellie bringing up Sarah to Joel. Not her, you know. What? Maria told me about Sarah. Ellie? And you are treading on some mighty thin ice here. I'm sorry about your daughter, Joel, but I have lost people too. You have no idea what loss is. You, you mentioned replacing a child and maybe Joel's reluctant to do that or even take on another child if not replace. And now we see Ellie kind of opening up to Joel about that. Yeah, I think obviously I'm not a father who lost a child but um yet no just kidding. yet true there's still time for me to father um but i i have had situations in my life or had friends who have gone through situations similar of losing someone and being reluctant to having a quote-unquote replacement because it feels like almost you're betraying what you lost um i feel like up until the fall it's been sort of this elephant in the room this unspoken issue of like he lost a daughter and now here's this girl that he's taking care of. So it had to be brought up. It had to boil to the surface. The bubble had to pop. And then once they kind of reconciled, they never really made up, quote unquote, um, because Joel doesn't do that. Like, he doesn't say thank you. He just is like gruffly grunts and walks away. And now it's like, all right, I'll take that as a thank you. But I feel like it was really healthy for them to kind of realize, OK, it's out in the open we're past it now. Now we can have our own unique relationship. Pseudo father-daughter, but it's not like they're blood. But, you know, blood isn't everything. And then we see Joel start to open up a little more, right? As they're kind of riding on, on horseback. And it feels like maybe that that chink in the armor has been undone. Just a touch, right? Just a smidgen. Well, when I was a kid, I used to want to be uh, a singer. <laughs> Shut up. I'm serious. We've talked about how you connected with Ellie or you needed her in your life. I'm curious how you connected with Joel and kind of his decisions and how he's handling his, his loss and that loneliness and grief. Wow, that's maybe it'll reveal too much about myself, but I feel like a lot of the men in my life are those not distant, but hard to express emotion. You know, you have to kind of glean what they're saying from grunts and it's not really a thank you. It's like you have to kind of interpret what they mean through gestures rather than through words. So seeing and really being, because you play as as Joel, someone like that, it made me kind of more understand 
the people in my life who have a tough time dealing with opening up um, and actually help me learn how to communicate better with those people and know that sometimes their anger isn't directed at me, but directed at the frustration of the world and what's going on. I feel like usually in video games, you know, if you're playing as a guy protagonist, you're like, all right, it's like guy A with the baseball cap and the button down shirt. And it's like the same as the same. But this is maybe one of the first times I felt playing as a male protagonist. I was like, oh, man, I'm into this. Like, I I vibe with who Joel is as a person because he's more of a deep, complex human being, not just this blank box that you can kind of try and project yourself onto, which is really hard to do for a universal but layered protagonist. I'd love to contrast that or compare it, perhaps, with your experience where then you got to play as Ellie. How did that, did that help you connect more with that character? And then related, did it help you connect with Joel more, seeing him as someone that you needed to protect and care for? Oh, absolutely. Like the second that Joel was dying on a floor, I was like, oh my God, no, sweet baby child. I must protect (laughs) you with my life. Um, And also, yeah, it was so badass to be Ellie in the snow fighting for her life. And she was so like hardened and mean. And like the second that somebody approached her, she's like, no, fuck off. Hello? We just want to talk. Any sudden moves and I put one right between your eyes. Ditto for buddy boy over there. She was so feisty and so took care of herself. And once again, smashing all the stereotypes of quote-unquote female protagonists in a horror game, it was so refreshing to fight tooth and nail as this really cool girl. I connected with both characters even more because it reversed their roles. Joel was now being taken care of by Ellie. Ellie was the breadwinner, the main provider, the, the fighter. What moment do you think meant the most to you? Um, at the end, Joel fighting through that hospital, killing everyone, saving Ellie, and then, like, that blatant lie at the very end of, like, no, I swear to you, everything was true. Swear to me that everything that you said about the fireflies is true. I swear. I burst into tears. I'm, like, sitting in my room crying because it's just, like, Not only is it a tragic moment because, okay, maybe there could have been a cure and then you have to kind of realize that. But also this man has just taken this girl under his wing and loves her and cares about her so much. And you just really feel the love and he's so tortured that he's lying to her, but he's protecting her. And it's such a split moment. I just like cried and then went to bed and like didn't talk to people for like a day because I was like, no, this this has wrecked me. This has messed me up. But it tied the game up in such a perfect bow. Did that moment, did the end change your perception of either character? I weirdly respected Joel even more because I know that I would have made the same decision. I know that people always have those moral questions of like, if aliens came down and said, you can save your friends in this room or we're going to blow up the state of Ohio, which would you pick? And the righteous quote unquote answer is, obviously kill my friends, save Ohio. But knowing me, and if I had to put myself in that mindset of like, this is the freaking apocalypse and this person is the only person I feel like I have right now, screw Ohio. Are you kidding me? Like, absolutely not. Man, you hear that, Ohio? You are going (laughs) down. (laughs) Screw Ohio, Mika Burton 2020. No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, uh, Let's get all the other states in there too, so it doesn't feel like it's just Ohio. Oh, yeah, screw every single state. Yeah. The entire world, Mika Burton 2020. Boom. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Um, Well, let's pivot to um, Left Behind. 
the kind of standalone um, DLC story of Ellie and Riley. I'd love to kind of hear your experience with that, starting with maybe when you played it. The experience happened a lot later because I think after I finished The Last of Us, I was like, I'm putting aside things that make me sad for a little bit. Um, And then I remember discovering the DLC and being like, well, back into Sadtown, USA. 2020, bumper sticker. Yes, Sadtown, USA, 2020. (laughs) Um, So it was a later experience. And what drew me to it was I remember, I don't know how I came across the article, but it was like LGBT representation in video games. And I was like, that means a lot to me because I am bisexual. So I would like to see what games there is. And it's like The Last of Us. And I was like, hold on, what? I just played that game. What do you mean? And it was like the DLC. And I was like, oh, now I got to pick it up. Um, So that was a huge, the huge draw for me to jump back into the game and see it to see it uh, portrayed so beautifully and so it doesn't it doesn't define the character. It's just a feature of the character. And I feel like that's what we long for in representation. It's not a character who is bisexual, a character who is Black. They just happen to be. It's just who they are as a person. It's not a stereotype. It's not a gimmick. It's just who they are. It's just there, not exploited. And so to see a character that I already grew to love and care so much about now represent more of who I am was just I can't even put into words there's not even a word for it it, it just it means a lot <laughs> like I, I discovered like oh I was not quite straight really young in my life not really young but like middle school so I kind of relate to that like oh we're just gals being pals Riley <laughs> you dick! There's two times today! Or is it just gals being pals? I think there's more, like, kind of discovering that together. Because, like, my first relationships were, like, both me and my really, 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 really close friend were kind of like, huh, what, hold hold on a second. And that's how we discovered ourselves. So to see that kind of, like, almost my exact experience mirrored in, like, a game that I'm playing was, like, I was almost like, excuse me, Naughty Dog, are you like spying on me? Like, how dare you get out of my brain? Um, Which once again, you never really see. It's always like the characters established already. So to see it kind of organically play out was so meaningful and refreshing. And to see these two just deeply care for each other. It's so rad that this game is such a beautiful storytelling device while also shooting things in the face with shotguns. I think a part of me while playing it and seeing the happiness, I was like, "Ah, when is this going to end? This is the last of us. I know this is not going to be like happy sunshine rainbows. But even so, putting myself in the shoes and wondering what it would be like to, to fall in love in a tumultuous time and like be happy for like a moment only to have it just like ripped from you is so mind-shattering and just heartbreaking. And it's different, like, we all go through breakups and it sucks, you lose the one you loved, but breakups are not, like, zombie dead murdered. Like, that's so different. It feels like it sometimes. It feels like it. It definitely feels like (laughs) it sometimes. Some breakups can be like, oh, absolutely, zombie dead murdered. But this is, I, I can't imagine what that's like. And I think that I never want to imagine what that's like. I never want to experience that. And it really kind of 
informs you more on Ellie's mindset in the main game. And I'm sure it will inform us of her mindset going forward in The Last of Us Part Two, which, oh my God, I'm so excited for. Um, but it, because, you know, you kind of in The Last of Us think, oh, it's this girl. She doesn't really know much about the world. She says she's lost people too. I'm sure she has because she's wandering around in the world alone. Um, but you don't really understand the context of her degree of loss. So experiencing it firsthand, it replaying The Last of Us is more like, oh my, oh, you poor sweet angel. Oh, I am so, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. And it really is makes playing as her taking care of Joel even different because it's like she does not want to lose more people. She is fighting so hard because she knows what that is like way too well. And she does not want that to happen again. Almost the same as Joel. They have the same exact reasonings for taking care of each other. And I start to think that as much as Ellie, I do feel like maybe would sacrifice herself for the greater good. If the roles were reversed and Joel was on the operating table, I think she would do the exact same thing. I'm I'm curious with loss being such a big theme of the game. And Mm -hmm. we've seen these characters experience loss. I'm curious, you know, what is loss to you? And and what what did you bring to the character as you were playing it as you were experiencing this? Yeah, um, I think that it only kind of reaffirmed my my personal beliefs on surrounding yourself with loved ones and found family and keeping what you value close to you, um, even if there is the chance that you will lose them. Because when you do lose something close to you, the thing that'll pull you out of that darkness is love and loved ones and a sense of community. Do you have a Riley? And I'm not asking uh, from a romantic standpoint or anything like that. Um, I'm more curious if if you have someone, if you think about who you are today, you know, if you look back and, and you think to yourself, I wouldn't be who I am now if it wasn't for that person. Like for me, I know I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for my high school track coach. Mm, I totally did. Um, You say high school track coach. It was my high school photography teacher. His name was Mr. Hertzfield, and he was like my dad away from home. High school was a really tough time for me. And I just remember sitting in his uh, classroom. He had like this huge chair. It was like so comfy, and it was like a recliner. And he would just let me skip class and sit there sometimes. Um, And I, I got my passion for the arts from him. And, oh, God, I'm getting emotional thinking about him. But he he definitely shaped me as a person. And I think about him so much. And to know that he's gone sucks. But I know that the person that he made me into will live on. And he'd be proud of me. And I think that that's it's a positive way to look at loss of they'll always live on within you. You've never really lost them. Uh, At least that's how I try and look at it. So it's not so depressing. (laughs) But I know that it's, it's hard. It's so hard. But they would want you to keep going, whoever they are out there, you know? And I think that that's, even if it's just that notion alone, sometimes that's enough to keep us going. Next time on the official The Last of Us podcast, 
we'll be joined by writer Mark Bernardin. It is not a choose your adventure. It is a play this adventure. And, uh, and you strapped in for it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> The official The Last of Us podcast is produced by PlayStation and Spoke Media. It's hosted by me, Christian Spicer, and written by Brigham Mosley. Thanks again to Mika Burton for joining me on today's episode. Our Sony PlayStation team includes Charlie Yader, Christian Cardona, and Carrie Surtees. Our Naughty Dog team includes Arnie Meyer and Scott Lowe. Our production team is Carson McCain, Kelly Kolf, Trey Jones, Reyes Mendoza, and Alicia Force. This episode was mixed by Evan Arnett, who contributed additional sound design and music. Executive producers are Aaliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.